Listening to the Loving Liberty Network, and this is the Liberty Mom Show. Liberty Moms are the original Secretaries of Defense. We are the real defenders of the home front, and we are there whenever it comes to defending our families and our communities. I'm your host today, Delaine England. I'm so happy to have you join us. I hope you had a wonderful Christmas, and I want to wish you a happy new year. And I have several things that we're going to be talking about today. And I think really quite timely and perfect for the new year. This is kind of a great time to be thinking about the new year and not just New Year's resolutions, but definitely New Year's resolutions. And I want to give you some ideas of some New Year's resolutions that you can make and that you can actually keep. And one of those, I'm just going to put it right out there at front, one of those New Year's resolutions, I am going to challenge everyone out there to memorize the Declaration of Independence for this year. You have 12 months. If you take out the 27 grievances to King George III, which I did not memorize myself, so I'm not challenging you to memorize that, there's 12 stanzas. So you could memorize that in 12 weeks by memorizing one stanza each week. Or you can memorize one stanza a month, which is super easy and doable. And then you would have that all memorized by next year, the end of the end of 2022. And the reason that I challenge you to memorize the Declaration of Independence, I really believe, in my opinion, and many others as well, it is the most amazing, incredible document on the earth. Even... It is just amazing. It is incredible. And especially if you love liberty or you love freedom, because it is literally the foundation of America. And the reason that we are in so much trouble in America and the reason that we're dealing with so many ills and so many problems and it feels like the world is upside down is because we have left the principles that are so clearly defined and laid out in the Declaration of Independence, and we don't understand them. And the reason that I challenge you to memorize it versus just read it is because when you memorize something, it literally becomes a part of who you are. It literally infuses into your very being. And the level of understanding is so greatly enhanced. It is amazing how much more you understand something when you memorize it than when you read it. And when I memorized the Declaration of Independence, which was quite a number of years ago, I challenged my students at school to memorize it. And then I thought, you know, how can I challenge my students to memorize the Declaration of Independence when I haven't memorized the Declaration? And so I decided I would need to do it as well. So I did it as an adult. And um, your brain is so much more flexible and easy, much easier to absorb things when you're young. So 
I would challenge you to memorize it, but also to challenge your children and your grandchildren and people in your life to memorize it as well, because the younger you are, the easier, really, the easier it is to memorize and the more that you will have it. And this is such a great tool to have throughout your life. I refer to it constantly and I, I will cite it and I can go back to it and it helps so much in understanding not only what is going on, but what we can do about the solutions to problems that we're dealing with right now. It's so solution-based. And so, again, I really seriously challenge everyone to do that. I would love to give anybody who does it, I would love to give you an award or a reward for doing it. But I think really the reward really truly is in the memorization and the gift that you receive from memorizing it. So before we go into, I am going to talk about that, but I just wanted to challenge people to um, a couple of other possible or just at least put some ideas into your mind as far as possible New Year's, your New Year's resolutions. And one is to not let fear run you, to operate your life from a place of faith and not a place of fear. And I know that as I say that to our listeners, most of you do operate your life from a place of faith and not a place of fear. And I think that it's really important because faith is very calming. There's so much peace in it. And it gets all over other people. And it really does set an example and a context for other people. And they are less likely to get into fear. We can help other people have faith and have peace when we set that example. Another one is to take control of your health. I think New Year's is a great time. A lot of people set a resolution to lose weight or to eat more healthy. I think that 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 is a great New Year's resolution and a great goal. And to, to literally take control and be in charge of your health is kind of expanding on that. If you decide and you realize who is really in charge of your health, who has stewardship over it, it, if it is you, you will have control and you will be healthy. Where I think so often, especially in the American culture, we have a tendency to like, delegate that control of our health to the quote-unquote professionals. We delegate it and regulate it to someone else. And, and we want the doctors and the nurses or the medical professionals to be in charge of our health. And of course, we, in the day that we live in, we want to take one pill and just be all healthy. We want all of our problems, all of our health situations should just go away by taking a pill or one or two or three times and just have it resolved. We want instant results, which is, you know, really, I mean, who, who doesn't? Of course we do. But isn't it really great when we are in charge and we we are coming from a place of, instead of waiting until we're sick, but taking charge, building our immune system, being proactive, and avoiding the pitfalls, avoiding having bad health. And that is really my challenge, is, is when I've had so many friends over the holidays that have gotten COVID or gotten sick, had really some serious health challenges, and have... Um, a lot of really serious things. And then we want what we want to do is we want to go to the doctor and just have the doctor make us well, just fix us. And it is really hard to be patient. It takes time to heal. But we have spent literally maybe, maybe 10, 15, maybe 35 years creating a health crisis. 
And then we want it to just be fixed and go away in, you know, maybe a day, a week, even a month. I've been exercising for two months every day, and I've only lost five pounds or 10 pounds. And and yet it took years to put that weight on. And then we think if we exercise every day for two months, it should just come right off of us. And so it, however long it takes to create the health crisis, it's going to take about half that long to recover from that health crisis. So I'm just so in, invested in prevention rather than the cure. I think the best cure is prevention. It really is. And now is a great time to take charge, take control, and say, I am going to do what I need to do in order to have good health and to restore your health or to retain your good health. If you have good health, it's not going to just last unless you do something to make it last. So that is my invitation to everyone. Because when you have good health, oh my goodness, everything is better. Life is happier. You can create so much more value. You can do serve other people and do so much more for others. You feel good. It's just natural to be happy when you feel good and when you're healthy. And it is harder, much harder to fulfill our mission when we are sick, when we do not feel well, when we're in bed, when we have no energy and strength. It is so much more work. So I, I invite everyone to do that. And I'm very happy to help everyone on that journey because I think it is a really powerful and important journey and the and the other resolution that i would like to challenge or to at least put into your idea is we have been ever so blessed by so many people who sacrificed so much for us to have our liberty and i would challenge everyone to do something to regain and restore that liberty and it can only happen if we all do our part and if we all do something it can happen we are really literally past the point, the tipping point. We have already tipped, as you can easily see, the amount of debt that our nation is in, the violation of the laws of nature, nature's God that we are, are exercising and experiencing right now. Let us know. But we, we are not past the point of no return. We can restore our country. We can restore freedom to everyone and peace and happiness but we all need to do something and we don't have to do everything, but we all need to do something. And I am going to share a few ideas and some different opportunities that are out there that you can jump into to make it really doable. And it's fun to do it with somebody. It's not as fun to do it alone, that there are many wonderful organizations that will support you and help you and that you can work with people. And, and it's much more powerful. I found out from my own life experience, we're much more powerful when we join forces when we join together than when we try to do it all by ourselves. Although every single thing great that's ever happened was started by one individual. Everything great. Everything great and wonderful. Uh, Jesus Christ is the great example. One person changed the entire world forever. Um, And every other great thing that happened, happened by one person taking a stand, taking charge and getting other people to help. And that is the same with every evil thing that's ever happened. It it happened by one person stepping out and starting and other people following. So I would love to talk about 
as I said, one of my favorite documents, the Declaration of Independence. And we all know that Thomas Jefferson was kind of the author of the Declaration, but those were not his ideas alone. These are ideas that he got from many people. And um, an Ivy League university, and I'm sorry because I can't remember which one it is, but it was a big Ivy League university, and they decided to do a study. They took 10 years and did a study and they researched where the ideas from the Declaration and the Constitution came from, where they got those ideas from. And the number one source of the principles and the ideas in the Declaration and the Constitution are from 35%, the highest percentage come from one source. And would you like to guess what that source is? And I'll bet you guessed the Bible, and you would be absolutely right. 35% is from the Bible. And what's interesting is the other people were the other sources, like um, Blackstone and, and the great philosophers. They got their ideas. They came from their ideas, but their ideas really also came from their study of the scriptures and their philosophies and their understanding of the Bible. So, um, I don't think you can really, I, I would love to argue and debate with anybody who thinks that our country, our founding documents are not based on the Bible or biblical views or Judeo-biblical views, uh, Judeo-Christian biblical views. And Jefferson put in, he found there were eight ancient principles. And so the declaration, he wanted to infuse that declaration with these ancient principles. They just work, they're principles. It's like gravity. You know, do you ever get up one day and just go, gosh, dang it, gravity is just not working. It took a day off. Gravity is just like, it's just not happening. I can't get my, my feet to stick to the ground. It's like the laws of nature work. Gravity works every single day, every single time. You don't, you don't go, oh, you know what, gravity is such an ancient principle. We should just try something different. Let's pass a law to change the law of gravity because, you know, it's been around a really long time. It's kind of old. It's kind of antiquated. We should come up with some new laws of nature. The laws of nature are the laws of nature, and they are the laws that God uses to govern the environment, to govern our world. And we can't really change them, although I see, I see legislators sometimes trying. They want to change the laws of nature, like, you know, passing laws that will change how a virus reacts or what it does. Or, um, it's it's un, unbelievable, really, to me that we think as men that we're so powerful that we can change the laws of nature. But Thomas Jefferson he was an amazing writer. He was absolutely incredible. And he managed to stuff these eight ancient principles into the first two paragraphs of the Declaration. So even if you just get started, you'll be amazed at how much you will learn just by memorizing the first two paragraphs in the Declaration. So one, I'm, we are going to discuss these eight ancient principles. And the very first one is good government is based on self-evident truths. So self-evident is somewhat self-evident, right? We can tell what self-evident means. It's so obvious. It is so morally sound that it's universally reasoned or understood. It's very reasonable. Anyone can figure it out. Don't really have to explain it. And it's not self-evident 
philosophies or theories. It's self-evident truths. So these are things that are true that we can figure out that are pretty reasonable and easy to see. And good, and as Thomas Jefferson explained, or as the Declaration does, good government is based on self-evident truths. And that, like, why would we want to change our our government or our governance from self-evident truths? That's very important that that, that is our foundation. That is what works. Such a great idea. The second one is the equal station of mankind. As we all know, and I think all of us believe, I hope that we all believe, that every human being was created equal. Not the same. Very, very different from each other. Very unique. Very individualistic. But we all are have an equal station in life. We all are products of the creator, whoever and whatever you think that is, but we are all products of the creator. We were created and we have an inherent aspect of law of the laws of nature and nature's God because that nature's God created us and each one of us is unique and individual. Each one of us is equal in our treatment, in, in justice, in our equal rights. And um, so that is really important. And of course, we can all argue all day how even at the beginning, the founders, most of them, if not all, did understand this principle. They believed it. They understood it. They aligned with it. They knew, with very few exceptions, they knew slavery was a violation of, of the laws of God. They knew that it was. They spoke about it. If you read their writings, they spoke about how evil slavery was, and it was a violation of the laws of nature and nature's God. They also needed to get the Constitution signed. They were afraid if they waited, they couldn't survive under the Articles of Confederation. There was no surviving. They knew that even though they'd won the Revolutionary War, it wasn't like England wouldn't try, and, and they did. They did try to come and um, the War of 1812, that the British did want to get America back under their thumb and under their rule. So they felt like we need to have something, and we need to have something that we can all agree on. They did understand. So even though they allowed slavery to continue, they knew that they put right in the Declaration and in the Constitution that we were to be treated equal, every person mattered, and every person counted, and they felt that they had put in protections to stop the importation of slaves and to, that it would dwindle away and be gone. And unfortunately, because of the weakness of man, it did not happen very quickly at all. Okay, the next, um, the next principle is the creator made humans equal, equal in their rights, so we are all to be treated equal in our country and under our Constitution. Our rights are given by our Creator. So when our rights, this is very important, our rights do not come from the government. And, you know, I have, as an educator, I have, I'm a history teacher, and I teach the Constitution, but I can't tell you how many times I've seen, I've had curriculum given to me and, and vetted it and seen it and, and had access to it 
that says right in the curriculum from our state board of education that says that or approved by the state. They didn't write it, of course, but they've approved it and, and approved this uh, curriculum being taught in our schools. And it says that our rights come from the federal government. And if you believe that your rights come from the federal government, come from an organization, come from man, from people, then it would be very easy for that same organization to change or to take away your rights, to amend or to supersede your rights. So it, it's inherently essential that we understand and that we make sure our future generations understand our rights come from our creator as clearly stated in the declaration. And there are certain rights that are unalienable and you can say inalienable or unalienable. I don't care, but it means that they cannot be taken away from you or violated without the offender or the person who is seeking to take those rights away from you violating them and they are going to come under the judgment of the creator because unalienable means they cannot be taken without condemnation and justice from those who seek to take your rights away and so we have to know this and understand it so that we can protect it and we can live accordingly when we know that our right to breathe free, our right to, our right to assemble, our right to go to church, our right to speak our minds and speak freely are not rights given to us from any organization or government. They are rights given to us from our creator. No one should be suppressing or usurping those rights. And we as people need to be sure that does not happen. It does lie upon, the, these, the stewardship lies upon us. And the responsibility lies upon us to make sure that does not happen so that we can secure these rights for ourselves and our posterity as those who went before us also did. Um, so, and among these most sacred of rights that are inalienable are the right to life, the right to liberty, and the right to pursue our missions, to pursue what our talents are, our gifts, create our happiness and our dreams that we feel are going to create make us a better person and help us to create value for others and as long as we do not invade or other people's rights or usurp their rights we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back stay with us following is not an actor, but a real-life story from Trinity Debt Management. I was finishing undergrad and got credit cards because I couldn't work full-time, so that started the credit card journey for me. If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-990-6976. And then when I got married, we combined our credit card debt, and it became impossible to pay off on our own. At that point, I was like, I don't know where to turn. And then I found Trinity. Trinity will consolidate your accounts into one easy-to-manage monthly payment, reduce your interest, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands. I initially was scared to call, and immediately I felt relief. 
I mean, in a matter of three years, we've already paid down $20,000 in credit card debt, which is huge. Call Trinity at 1-800-990-6976. That's 1-800-990-6976. Welcome back. You are listening to the Loving Liberty Network, and this is the Liberty Mom Show. I'm your host today, Delane England, and super happy to have you with us. And we are discussing one of the most important documents ever written on the face of the earth throughout all time, the Declaration of Independence. And we're talking about the eight principles that Thomas Jefferson managed to stuff into the first two paragraphs. And I am challenging every single listener, no matter how young or how old you are, to memorize the Declaration of Independence this year. Whether there's 12 paragraphs or 12 stanzas to it, there's 12 months, or you can do it in 12 weeks. Uh, 12 days might be pushing it, but you could definitely do it in 12 weeks. And uh, I did it in 12 weeks, and I have a really old, mushy brain. So I figure if I can memorize the Declaration of Independence, trust me, anyone can. And I've had so much fun extending this challenge to many of my students, not all of them, challenging them to do this. And it's been so fun to see how many people have managed to do it and how great they feel about themselves. Plus, they have this this amazing not just information, but these amazing principles fused into their mind, fused into their brain, and you cannot unlearn what you have learned. Even if you forget it, you've learned it. It becomes a part of who you are. So super important. And I, I'm just telling you, it really literally changed my life. It's one of the really most powerful things that I've done. I absolutely love it, and I refer to it often, and so I challenge everyone to do that. And so we were discussing one of the rights, and, and as we know, our, our three of the most important rights defined in the Declaration are our right to life. Yes, that is given, our life is given by our Creator. That is not given by our government. That right to life is given by our Creator. No one should take that away from us. Without suffering, they will suffer repercussions and judgment from the creator for doing that. No one has a right to take our liberty away from us. And no one has a right to take our pursuit of happiness, which is our right to own property. Because we have a right. Our property is not just stuff, but it's actually a receipt of our labors. It's a receipt of our sweat, our time, our talents. It's an exchange Our homes are just objects, but they are actually more than that because they are a refuge from the world. They're a place of security, safety. They're a place that gives us shelter, that preserves and protects all of our other rights. It protects our right to our life. It protects our liberties. And so our homes, our cars can be very much the same way. They, They support us in being able to exercise our right to to assemble and to travel and to pursue other rights. And um, so these are very, very important rights. Now, of course, Thomas Jefferson, he, re- he did not want to put our right to life, liberty, and property in the Declaration because we had not gotten rid of slavery yet, and people 
did have a mentality that they their slaves were their property, which is a violation of God's laws and those people's rights. And so he didn't ever want anyone to misunderstand or to skew the true principle of property ownership was not to be able to own people. So he put it in the words of pursue our happiness, and which is, as I said, pursuing your talents, pursuing your way to create happiness, pursuing your dreams and how you could create value and be a great citizen and, and do things that are good. And that all has the caveat, of course, you have all those rights as long as your you do not have a right to invade or step on anyone else's right to their life, their liberty, or their pursuit of happiness. So sometimes we have to be really careful. Those can collide with each other. And so we have to be really careful that we don't have the mentality, I can do anything I want. I live in a free country. That is not true. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. And a right doesn't mean to do something wrong. It means you have a right to do what is good and right. Your right to do what is right, you have freedom is a right to do what you ought to do. And if you see it that way, it really helps us in fulfilling the true measure of the Declaration and the Constitution is all about self-governance. Our whole country was designed on not having anyone else govern over us, control us and rule us, but that we would each govern and control and rule ourselves. We can only do that if we are moral. You cannot govern yourself properly without morality. And you have to have a moral compass in order to govern yourself properly. And so we can see that we have lost as a nation our moral compass. And it has driven us awry and it has really made things we've created so many social ills and social problems by by leaving our moral compass as a country and the way to restore that is to restore our moral compass as has been said i love this phrase and i didn't make it up but i do love it want liberty get virtue want liberty get morality it's just an eternal truth if you want to have freedom then restore your own personal moral compass and you will be free. If you want to have true liberty, then get back on your moral compass and assist others lovingly in getting on their moral compass and we will all live free and in peace. Okay, so um, I'm lost count. I think this is the seventh principle that Thomas Jefferson, but I, I didn't really have them numbered. The next one is... Um, the the most basic reason for that our nation or a state to set up a government is to assure the right of the people are protected and preserved. The whole reason we have government is not to control us. It is to protect our rights and to preserve our liberty. That's why we have a government, clearly stated in the Declaration. And so I invite whenever you're um, meeting someone who's maybe running for office or someone who already is in office, they're sponsoring a bill or they, are, they have an idea of a bill that they want to do, this is the most important question. What is the proper role of the government? So does that bill align with the proper role of government? What is the proper role of government? 
to secure, to protect and preserve our individual liberties and freedoms. That is the role. We, of course, our individual liberties do not get to usurp or smash or squash anyone else's liberties. So we want to always be very respectful that our rights end where someone else's rights begin. But but we need to remember there's lots of great ideas, a lot of really great bills, a lot of ideas like, that's a great idea. That is not something the government should do, though. It is something that individuals, nonprofits, maybe businesses, a lot of other entities could do, but it isn't the role that the government should do because the government is power. The government does have power over other people's lives more than it should. And so a lot of the great ideas people come up with should be done. I, I love them. They're great ideas, but they shouldn't be done by with power of the government. They should be done by influence and, and by individual people or, or organizations that they put together to help support people. Okay, no, the next uh, principle is no office, no government agency has a right to exist without the consent of the governed. A government agency does not have the power to exist without the people giving that power. Now, what's sad and ever so true is that the people have given the government far too much power and control over their personal lives because of fear or because they think it's a great idea. And we've really seen that in the last two years where people have of their own free will of choice surrendered their own liberties, their own rights to a government entity because of fear. And they were all too happy to take other people's rights because of their fear. Because it's one thing if you want to give up your rights, that is one thing. I wouldn't recommend it, of course, but I don't suggest it. I hope you don't, but it's your right, right? But you don't have a right to give up my rights. You don't have a right to surrender my rights to the government. You have a right to surrender yours. But please don't think you can surrender mine because I'm not giving mine up. (laughs) I'm keeping mine. So, and the last one is if the government... Um, by neglect or even malfeasance, it fails to protect those rights, or even worse, if the government violates my rights, not only is it the right of the people, but it is the duty of the people to take back their government and to either restore their rights or to restore their government, or to create a new government, new guards, on which a new government can protect those rights. Now, of course, the Declaration also says it is not wise for us to throw out the, the, you know, for small and light and transient reasons. We don't want to get new governments for light or transient reasons. But if it is, it is important that we not only we, we, we not only um, have the right to to stand up for ourselves, we have a duty to do it. And I think that's really important to to notice and remember. We have a duty. We are all have a covenant with God to protect and restore our liberties because we have been given them by 
God and by so many who have sacrificed so much. And, and the declaration is very clear about that. One of my favorite lines in the declaration is all experience has shown that while men, evils will, I have this, I know it so well. And then when I go to say it, my brain freezes. Um, all experience has shown that men are accustomed to that evils will, that men will suffer evils while evils are sufferable than they are to right themselves by abolishing the things to which they have come grown accustomed. And I just think that speaks so well of our human nature. We will suffer evils as long as evils are sufferable. We just kind of, oh, let's just go along with it. We want to go along. We'll just suffer through, and we won't write them until they become unsufferable. But the longer we let it go, the harder it is, and the longer it takes and the more blood it takes, the the much more time. It is much better for us to stand up sooner rather than later and restore our liberties. And so I invite everyone to, to again, stand, and we need to do something. Um, so at the very beginning of the Declaration, Thomas Jefferson talks about the laws of nature and nature's God. And, you know, you can just read that over and just read it right and just gloss right over it. But I really, really felt like that was one of the most important parts of the Declaration. So I've really spent some time studying that and really pondering and trying to to learn what did he mean by that? What does he mean by the laws of nature and of nature's God? Now, the laws of nature... Again, somewhat self-evident. That's everything in the universe is governed by the laws of nature. Every plant, every animal, all the matter, every light is all governed by the laws of nature. All of the, all of these things obey the laws of nature. By they, they have to. They just they obey the laws of nature. You, like I said, gravity obeys the law of nature. It doesn't kind of go oh. Um, not it's just not working today. To, you know, the day's not the speed of light works all the time, and the universe was set set up with such laws of order, and these laws of nature. You you see the laws and ordinance of heaven and of earth. They are so orderly, and they're how God governs the universe. And how could an, a universe with such order and such discipline and such perfectness in reproduction and the way things work and and the synergy and how the laws of nature work with each other so perfectly how could that happen arbitrarily how could that happen by just a big bang how could it happen by accident just the fact the way the laws of nature work testifies in itself of the creator um, it just the idea of the Big Bang could it just defies reason. It it just doesn't it just de- defies any kind of deep thought being happening. And then we have so that's the laws of nature that Thomas Jefferson referred to. And then nature's God. Those are the laws of God, like His commandments, the things that He tells us to do in order to literally be happy and to be free. If you think about the laws of God are all designed to give us freedom and liberty. They free us from the chains and the bonds of our own human frailties. They free us from the bonds of 
of our human nature and our, our weak side. And they all give us, when we obey the laws of God, we have so much more liberty and more freedom and definitely more happiness. And we can see that we, whenever we violate those laws of God, we end up in bondage. If You know, God says, don't get addicted to anything. Just keep your soul. And you, the minute you can always choose, when you choose not to get addicted, you can still choose. You're still free to choose. But the minute you choose an addiction, you've given up your freedom, and now you're in bondage. And that is the case with all of God's laws. God's laws are really there to help us be more free. As a lover of freedom, I love that. I love my liberty. I love freedom. And I love that God has created such a great way for us to, to do that. And then we're, our human nature tempts us to not always be so wise. So um, that's what I have to say today about our laws of nature and our Declaration of Independence. And we have a little bit of time left. And so I wanted to talk about some things that are coming up and some different opportunities opportunities that you have to get involved and to help you be aware of some things that are happening and a new year, new energy, a new time to to step up to the plate and to kind of wake up and, and think, what can I do? How can I serve my community? And really, the difference is going to be made right here locally. The more at home, the more local, the bigger difference that you can make. So I wanted to tell you about a few different events that are coming up. One of them is January 8th. It's the Eagle Forum, Utah State Eagle Forum Convention that is coming up January 8th. It is going to be at the Larry H. Miller campus that is on about 97 South and 300 West, just west of the I-15 freeway. And again, that's January 8th. It starts at 8.30 in the morning. And it ha there are so many great because it's really going to be wonderful. We have all four of our Utah Christmen will all be there speaking, and we also have our Senator Mike Lee that will be speaking. It's a great chance to hear what they have to say and hear them defend themselves and their actions. You'll be able to ask some questions, and you'll be able to hear what they're doing and why they're doing it and get um, an idea of what's happening on a national scene and what Utah is doing on that national scene. There have many other great speakers. C.L. Bryant, if you don't know who he is, it's time to come and hear him speak. I want to say he lives in Florida, but I'm pretty sure I'm right about that. <laughs> I'm really sure, but I hate to say when I, I'm pushing, I'm absolutely sure that he's from Florida. So he's coming out from Florida. He is a black man who speaks on critical race theory. He's very principled. He really does understand the Constitution. He's a very dynamic speaker, but and also a very dynamic person. And he, he really does a great job of expressing the laws of nature and nature's God. And there are so many other great speakers, and I, I know you will love it. And if you take a friend, it's $45. And if you take a friend, if you go to register together, it can be your friend, your spouse, it doesn't matter, a stranger, you get two people registered together, there's a discount, so that's a great way to do it. So, yeah, get together with a friend and then register together and you'll get a discount. And it does include lunch, and it is a great, it's a great comp convention, and I really feel confident that you will enjoy it. The other thing is it's, it's not just a raw, raw rally where you get all motivated and excited and, 
it's also it does that but you also get to you get to meet with other people which is always really good is to find who your your like-minded tribe is but also it's really really great at helping you get educated on the bills that are coming up our session starts the end of january it runs for 45 days this is the time to get involved and get educated what are the bills coming up what are the issues coming up and when you you understand the laws of nature and nature's God. You don't have to know about every single issue. You know where to stand based on the laws of nature and nature's God. And that really helps people make wise decisions rather than emotional decisions. We can see what's happening nowadays. There are people making decisions on emotion, not on principles, not on the foundations of nature. So I invite everyone to go to that. And then we also have Freedom's Light. Foundation is sponsoring their Freedoms Like Constitution Bowl, and that is going to be in April, and it's April 28th, and you can go to freedomslightevent at gmail.com, and you can inquire of, for information, and basically what it is, we're going to have an elementary bowl, we have a junior high bowl, and we have a high school bowl, so junior high kids will compete against other junior high kids. And high school against high school, elementary, we usually have mostly fifth and sixth graders, but you can have fourth graders or younger, but mostly fourth, fifth, and sixth graders compete against other kids in that same age group. And usually it's schools, but it doesn't have to be. You could just get a team together from your neighborhood or your, um, you know, it could be your school or your co-op or your family. And you, it doesn't matter. We're about freedom, so we let you make the we let you choose your teams however you want to. We need a name. You can have anywhere from four to six children um, in a on a team. And so you can get together and create a team. We give you a curriculum to study so you know exactly what to study. For the junior high and high school, the prize is $500 cash for first place, $250 second, $100 for third place. And we really make it so much fun. It's just fun to compete and fun to do. And fun, try to make it fun to learn about these principles. And again, it's a great thing to do. You can do it as a family. And we invite everyone. So again, you go to freedoms, with an S, freedomslightevent at gmail.com to get all the information about that. We would love to share that with you. I also invite you to go to secureboteutah.org, secureboteutah.org to learn about what we can do to secure our votes here in Utah, to secure our elections. Because we, our election system is the most sacred thing we have. We can't have a country, we can't have any freedom without knowing that our elections are real and secure. And if they, it has to count. We have to be in charge. If, if we vote for somebody in principle, we can always recover from that if we have secure elections. So I invite everyone to go to that. So um, there's lots more things to talk about, but we're running out of time. I want to, again, invite you to set some goals and set some New Year's resolutions that are attainable and achievable that will really not only help you be a better person, but help our state and our nation to be a better nation. And I just say, Happy New Year, and I love you, and remember that you are the guardians of our liberty. Thank you.
The following is not an actor, but a real-life story from Trinity Debt Management. I was finishing undergrad and got credit cards because I couldn't work full-time. So that started the credit card journey for me. If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-990-6976. And then when I got married, we combined our credit card debt, and it became impossible to pay off on our own. At that point, I was like, I don't know where to turn. And then I found... Trinity. Trinity will consolidate your accounts into one easy-to-manage monthly payment, reduce your interest, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands. I initially was scared to call, and immediately I felt relief. I mean, in a matter of three years, we've already paid down $20,000 in credit card debt, which is huge. Call Trinity at 1-800-990-6976. That's 1-800-990-6976. I'm an American You are listening to the Loving Liberty Network, and this is the Liberty Mom Show. Liberty Moms are the original Secretaries of Defense. We are the real defenders of the home front, and we are there whenever it comes to defending our families and our communities. I'm your host today, Delaine England. I'm so happy to have you join us. I hope you had a wonderful Christmas, and I want to wish you a happy new year. And I have several things that we're going to be talking about today, and I think really quite timely and perfect for the new year. This is kind of a great time to be thinking about the new year and not just New Year's resolutions, but definitely New Year's resolutions, and I want to give you some ideas of some New Year's resolutions that you can make and that you can actually keep, and one of those, I'm just going to put it right out there at front, one of those New Year's resolutions, I am going to challenge everyone out there to memorize the Declaration of Independence for this year. You have 12 months. If you take out the 27 grievances to King George III, which I did not memorize myself, so I'm not challenging you to memorize that. There's 12 stanzas. So you could memorize that in 12 weeks by memorizing one stanza each week, or you can memorize one stanza a month, which is super easy and doable. And then you would have that all memorized by next year, the end of the end of 2022. And the reason that I challenge you to memorize the Declaration of Independence, I really believe, in my opinion, and many others as well, it is the most amazing, incredible document on the earth. Even, it it is just amazing. It is incredible. And especially if you love liberty or you love freedom, because it is literally the foundation of America. And the reason that we are in so much trouble in America and the reason that we're dealing with so many ills and so many problems and it feels like the world is upside down is because 
we have left the principles that are so clearly defined and laid out in the Declaration of Independence, and we don't understand them. And the reason that I challenge you to memorize it versus just read it is because when you memorize something, it literally becomes a part of who you are. It literally infuses into your very being. And the level of understanding is so greatly enhanced. It is amazing how much more you understand something when you memorize it than when you read it. And when I memorized the Declaration of Independence, which was quite a number of years ago, I challenged my students at school to memorize it. And then I thought, you know, how can I challenge my students to memorize the Declaration of Independence when I haven't memorized the Declaration? And so I decided I would need to do it as well. So I did it as an adult. And um, your brain is so much more flexible and easy, much easier to absorb things when you're young. So I would challenge you to memorize it, but also to challenge your children and your grandchildren and people in your life to memorize it as well, because the younger you are, the easier, really, the easier it is to memorize and the more that you will have it. And this is such a great tool to have throughout your life. I refer to it constantly and I, I will cite it and I can go back to it and It helps so much in understanding not only what is going on, but what we can do about the solutions to problems that we're dealing with right now. It's so solution-based. And so, again, I really seriously challenge everyone to do that. I would love to give anybody who does it, I would love to give you an award or a reward for doing it. But I think really the reward really truly is in the memorization and the gift that you receive from memorizing it. So before we go into, I am going to talk about that, but I just wanted to challenge people to um, a couple of other possible or just at least put some ideas into your mind as far as possible New New Year's resolutions. And one is to not let fear run you. To operate your life from a place of faith and not a place of fear. And I know that as I say that to our listeners, most of you do operate your life from a place of faith and not a place of fear. And I think that it's really important because faith is very calming. There's so much peace in it. And it gets all over other people. And it really does set an example and a context for other people. And they are less likely to get into fear. We can help other people have faith and have peace when we set that example. Another one is to take control of your health. I think New Year's is a great time. A lot of people set a resolution to lose weight or to eat more healthy. I think that 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 is a great New Year's resolution and a great goal. And to, to literally take control and be in charge of your health is kind of expanding on that. If you decide and you realize who is really in charge of your health, who has stewardship over it, If it is you, you will have control and you will be healthy. Where I think so often, especially in the American culture, we have a tendency to delegate that control of our health to the quote-unquote professionals. We delegate it and regulate it to someone else. and, And we want the doctors and the nurses or the medical professionals to be in charge of our health. And of course, 
we, in the day that we live in, we want to take one pill and just be all healthy. We want all of our problems, all of our health situations should just go away by taking a pill or one or two or three times and just have it resolved. We want instant results, which is, you know, really, I mean, who, who doesn't? Of course we do. But isn't it really great when we are in charge and we we are coming from a place of instead of waiting until we're sick, but taking charge, building our immune system, being proactive and avoiding the pitfalls, avoiding having bad health. And that is really my challenge is, is when I've had so many friends over the holidays that have gotten COVID or gotten sick, had really some serious health challenges and have um, a lot of really serious things. And then we want, what we want to do is we want to go to the doctor and just have the doctor make us well, just fix us. And it is really hard to be patient. It takes time to heal. But we have spent literally maybe, maybe 10, 15, maybe 35 years creating a health crisis. And then we want it to just be fixed and go away in, you know, maybe a day, a week, even a month. I've been exercising for two months every day, and I've only lost five pounds or ten pounds, and and yet it took years to put that weight on. And then we think if we exercise every day for two months, it should just come right off of us. And so it, however long it takes to create the health crisis, it's going to take about half that long to recover from that health crisis. So I'm just so in invested in prevention rather than the cure. I think the best cure is prevention. It really is. And now is a great time to take charge, take control and say, I am going to do what I need to do in order to have good health and to restore your health or to retain your good health. If you have good health, it's not going to just last unless you do something to make it last. So that is my invitation to everyone. Because when you have good health, oh my goodness, everything is better. Life is happier. You can create so much more value. You can do serve other people and do so much more for others. You feel good. It's just natural to be happy when you feel good and when you're healthy. And it is harder, much harder to fulfill our mission when we are sick, when we do not feel well, when we're in bed when we have no energy and strength. It is so much more work. So I, I invite everyone to do that, and I'm very happy to help everyone on that journey because I think it is a really powerful and important journey. And the, and the other resolution that I would like to challenge or to at least put into your idea is we have been ever so blessed by so many people who sacrificed so much for us to have our liberty and I would challenge everyone to do something to regain and restore that liberty. And it can only happen if we all do our part. And if we all do something, it can happen. We are really literally past the point, the tipping point. We have already tipped, as you can easily see, the amount of debt that our nation is in, the violation of the laws of nature, nature's God that we are are exercising and experiencing right now let us know but we we are not past the point of no return we can restore our country we can restore freedom to everyone and peace and happiness but we all need to do something and we don't have to do everything but we all need to do something and i am going to share a few ideas and some 
different opportunities that are out there that you can jump into to make it really doable. And it's fun to do it with somebody. It's not as fun to do it alone. That There are many wonderful organizations that will support you and help you and that you can work with people. And, and it's much more powerful. I found out from my own life experience, we're much more powerful when we join forces, when we join together than when we try to do it all by ourselves. Although every single thing great that's ever happened was started by one individual. Everything great. Everything great and wonderful. Uh, Jesus Christ is the great example. One person changed the entire world forever. Um, and every other great thing that happened, happened by one person taking a stand, taking charge, and getting other people to help. And that is the same with every evil thing that's ever happened. It, it happened by one person stepping out and starting and other people following. So I would love to talk about, as I said, one of my favorite documents, the Declaration of Independence. And we all know that Thomas Jefferson was kind of the author of the Declaration, but those were not his ideas alone. These are ideas that he got from many people. And um, an Ivy League university, and I'm sorry because I can't remember which one it is, but it was a big Ivy League university, and they just decided to do a study. They took 10 years and did a study and they researched where the ideas from the Declaration and the Constitution came from, where they got those ideas from. And the number one source of the principles and the ideas in the Declaration and the Constitution are from 35%. The highest percentage come from one source. And would you like to guess what that source is? And I'll bet you guessed the Bible, and you would be absolutely right. 35% is from the Bible. And what's interesting is the other people were the other sources, like um, Blackstone and, and the great philosophers. They got their ideas. They came from their ideas, but their ideas really also came from their study of the scriptures and their philosophies and their understanding of the Bible. So, um, I don't think you can really, I, I would love to argue and debate with anybody who thinks that our country, our founding documents are not based on the Bible or biblical views or Judeo-biblical views, uh, Judeo-Christian biblical views. And Jefferson put in, he found there were eight ancient principles. And so the declaration, he wanted to infuse that declaration with these ancient principles. They just work, they're principles. It's like gravity. You know, do you ever get up one day and just go, gosh, dang it, gravity is just not working. It took a day off. Gravity is just like, it's just not happening. I can't get my, my feet to stick to the ground. It's like the laws of nature work. Gravity works every single day, every single time. You don't, you don't go, oh, you know, gravity is such an ancient principle. We should just try something different. Let's pass a law to change the law of gravity because, you know, it's been around a really long time. It's kind of old. It's kind of antiquated. We should come up with some new laws of nature. The laws of nature are the laws of nature, and they are the laws that God uses to govern the environment, to govern our world. And we can't really change them, although I see, I see legislators sometimes trying. They want to change the laws of nature, like, you know, passing laws that will change how a virus reacts or what it does. Or, um, it's it's un, unbelievable, really, to me that we think as men that we're so powerful that we can change the laws of nature. 
But Thomas Jefferson, he was an amazing writer. He was absolutely incredible. And he managed to stuff these eight ancient principles into the first two paragraphs of the Declaration. So even if you just get started, you'll be amazed at how much you'll learn just by memorizing the first two paragraphs in the Declaration. So one, I'm, we are going to discuss these eight ancient principles. And the very first one is good government is based on self-evident truths. So self-evident is somewhat self-evident, right? We can tell what self-evident means. It's so obvious. It is so morally sound that it's universally reasoned or understood. It's very reasonable. Anyone can figure it out. Don't really have to explain it. And it's not self-evident philosophies or theories. It's self-evident truths. So these are things that are true that we can figure out that are pretty reasonable and easy to see. And good, and as Thomas Jefferson explained, or as the Declaration does, good government is based on self-evident truths. And that, like, why would we want to change our, our government or our governance from self-evident truths? That's very important that that, that is our foundation. That is what works. Such a great idea. The second one is the equal station of mankind. As we all know, and I think all of us believe, I hope that we all believe, that every human being was created equal. Not the same. Very, very different from each other. Very unique. Very individualistic. But we all are have an equal station in life. We all are products of the creator, whoever and whatever you think that is, but we are all products of the creator. We were created and we have an inherent aspect of law of the laws of nature and nature's God, because that nature's God created us. And each one of us is unique and individual. Each one of us is equal in our treatment in injustice in our equal rights. And, um, so that is really important. And, of course, we can all argue all day how even at the beginning, the founders, most of them, if not all, did understand this principle. They believed it. They understood it. They aligned with it. They knew, with very few exceptions, they knew slavery was a violation of, of the laws of God. They knew that it was. They spoke about it. If you read their writings, they spoke about how evil slavery was, and it was a violation of the laws of nature and nature's God. They also needed to get the Constitution signed. They were afraid if they waited, they couldn't survive under the Articles of Confederation. There was no surviving. They knew that even though they'd won the Revolutionary War, it wasn't like England wouldn't try, and, and they did. They did try to come and... Um, the War of 1812, that the British did want to get America back under their thumb and under their rule. So they felt like we need to have something, and we need to have something that we can all agree on. They did understand. So even though they allowed slavery to continue, they knew that they put right in the Declaration and in the Constitution that we were to be treated equal, every person mattered, and every person counted, and they felt that they had put in protections 
to stop the importation of slaves and to that it would dwindle away and be gone. And unfortunately, because of the weakness of man, it did not happen very quickly at all. Okay, the next, um, the next principle is the creator made humans equal, equal in their rights. So we are all to be treated equal in our country and under our constitution. Our rights are given by our creator. So when our right, this is very important. Our rights do not come from the government. And, you know, I have, as an educator, I have, I'm a history teacher and I teach the constitution, but I can't tell you how many times I've seen, I've had curriculum given to me and, and vetted it and seen it and, and had access to it that says right in the curriculum from our state board of education that says that or approved by the state. They didn't write it, of course, but they've approved it and, and approved this uh, curriculum being taught in our schools. And it says that our rights come from the federal government. And if you believe that your rights come from the federal government, come from an organization, come from man, from people, then it would be very easy for that same organization to change or to take away your rights, to amend or to supersede your rights. So it, it's inherently essential that we understand and that we make sure our future generations understand our rights come from our creator as clearly stated in the declaration. And there are certain rights that are unalienable and you can say inalienable or unalienable. I don't care, but it means that they cannot be taken away from you or violated without the offender or the person who is seeking to take those rights away from you violating them and they are going to come under the judgment of the creator because unalienable means they cannot be taken without condemnation and justice from those who seek to take your rights away and so we have to know this and understand it so that we can protect it and we can live accordingly when we know that our right to breathe free, our right to, our right to assemble, our right to go to church, our right to speak our minds and speak freely are not rights given to us from any organization or government. They are rights given to us from our creator. No one should be suppressing or usurping those rights. And we as people need to be sure that does not happen. It does lie upon, the, these, the stewardship lies upon us. And the responsibility lies upon us to make sure that does not happen so that we can secure these rights for ourselves and our posterity as those who went before us also did. Um, so, and among these most sacred of rights that are inalienable are the right to life, the right to liberty, and the t- right to pursue our missions, to pursue what our talents are, our gifts, create our happiness and our dreams that we feel are going to create, make us a better person and help us to create value for others. And as long as we do not invade or other people's rights or usurp their rights, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Stay with us.
The following is not an actor, but a real-life story from Trinity Debt Management. I was finishing undergrad and got credit cards because I couldn't work full-time. So that started the credit card journey for me. If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-990-6976. And then when I got married, we combined our credit card debt, and it became impossible to pay off on our own. At that point, I was like, I don't know where to turn. And then I found... Trinity. Trinity will consolidate your accounts into one easy-to-manage monthly payment, reduce your interest, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands. I initially was scared to call, and immediately I felt relief. I mean, in a matter of three years, we've already paid down $20,000 in credit card debt, which is huge. Call Trinity at 1-800-990-6976. That's 1-800-990-6976. Welcome back. You are listening to the Loving Liberty Network, and this is the Liberty Mom Show. I'm your host today, Delane England, and super happy to have you with us. And we are discussing one of the most important documents ever written on the face of the earth throughout all time, the Declaration of Independence. And we're talking about the eight principles that Thomas Jefferson managed to stuff into the first two paragraphs. And I am challenging every single listener, no matter how young or how old you are, to memorize the Declaration of Independence this year. Whether there's 12 paragraphs or 12 stanzas to it, there's 12 months, or you can do it in 12 weeks. Uh, 12 days might be pushing it, but you could definitely do it in 12 weeks. And uh, I did it in 12 weeks, and I have a really old, mushy brain. So I figure if I can memorize the Declaration of Independence, trust me, anyone can. And I've had so much fun extending this challenge to many of my students, not all of them, challenging them to do this. And it's been so fun to see how many people have managed to do it and how great they feel about themselves. Plus, they have this this amazing not just information, but these amazing principles fused into their mind, fused into their brain, and you cannot unlearn what you have learned. Even if you forget it, you've learned it. It becomes a part of who you are. So super important. And I, I'm just telling you, it really literally changed my life. It's one of the really most powerful things that I've done. I absolutely love it, and I refer to it often, and so I challenge everyone to do that. And so we were discussing one of the rights, and, and as we know, our, our three of the most important rights defined in the Declaration are our right to life. Yes, that is given, our life is given by our Creator. That is not given by our government. That right to life is given by our Creator. No one should take that away from us. Without suffering, they will suffer repercussions and judgment from the creator for doing that. No one has a right to take our liberty away from us. And no one has a right to take our pursuit of happiness, which is our right to own property. Because we have a right. Our property is not just stuff, but it's actually a receipt of our labors. It's a receipt of our sweat, our time, our talents. It's an exchange Our homes are just objects, but they are actually more than that because they are a refuge from the world. They're a place of security, safety. They're a place 
that gives us shelter, that preserves and protects all of our other rights. It protects our right to our life. It protects our liberties. And so our homes, our cars can be very much the same way. They they support us in being able to exercise our right to to assemble and to travel and to pursue other rights. And um, so these are very, very important rights. Now, of course, Thomas Jefferson, he, re- he did not want to put our right to life, liberty, and property in the Declaration because we had not gotten rid of slavery yet, and people did have a mentality that they their slaves were their property, which is a violation of God's laws and those people's rights. And so we didn't ever want anyone to misunderstand or to skew the true principle of property ownership was not to be able to own people. So he put it in the words of pursue our happiness, and which is, as I said, pursuing your talents, pursuing your way to create happiness, pursuing your dreams and how you could create value and be a great citizen and, and do things that are good. And that all has the caveat, of course, you have all those rights as long as you're, you do not have a right to invade or step on anyone else's right to their life, their liberty, or their pursuit of happiness. So sometimes we have to be really careful those can collide with each other. And so we have to be really careful that we don't have the mentality, I can do anything I want, I live in a free country. That is not true. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. And a right doesn't mean to do something wrong. It means you have a right to do what is good and right. Your right to do what is right, you have freedom is a right to do what you ought to do. And if you see it that way, it really helps us in fulfilling the true measure of the Declaration and the Constitution is all about self-governance. Our whole country was designed on not having anyone else govern over us, control us and rule us, but that we would each govern and control and rule ourselves. We can only do that if we are moral. You cannot govern yourself properly without morality. And you have to have a moral compass in order to govern yourself properly. And so we can see that we have lost as a nation our moral compass. And it has driven us awry. And it has really made things, we've created so many social ills and social problems by by leaving our moral compass as a country. And the way to restore that is to restore our moral compass. As has been said, I love this phrase, and I didn't make it up, but but I do love it. Want liberty? Get virtue. Want liberty? Get morality. It's just an eternal truth. If you want to have freedom, then restore your own personal moral compass and you will be free. If you want to have true liberty, then get back on your moral compass and assist others lovingly in getting on their moral compass and we will all live free and in peace. Okay, so... um, I'm lost count. I think this is the seventh principle that Thomas Jefferson, but I I didn't really have them numbered. The next one is um, the the most basic reason for that our nation or a state to set up a government 
is to assure the right of the people are protected and preserved. The whole reason we have government is not to control us. It is to protect our rights and to preserve our liberty. That's why we have a government, clearly stated in the Declaration. And so I invite whenever you're um, meeting someone who's maybe running for office or someone who already is in office, they're sponsoring a bill or they are they have an idea of a bill that they want to do, this is the most important question. What is the proper role of the government? So does that bill align with the proper role of government? What is the proper role of government? To secure, to protect and preserve our individual liberties and freedoms. That is the role. We, of course, our individual liberties do not get to usurp or smash or squash anyone else's liberties. So we want to always be very respectful that our rights end where someone else's rights begin. But, but we need to remember there's lots of great ideas, a lot of really great bills, a lot of ideas like, that's a great idea. That is not something the government should do, though. It is something that individuals, nonprofits, maybe businesses, a lot of other entities could do, but it isn't the role that the government should do because the government is power. The government does have power over other people's lives more than it should. And so a lot of the great ideas people come up with should be done. I, I love them. They're great ideas, but they shouldn't be done by with power of the government. They should be done by influence and, and by individual people or, or organizations that they put together to help support people. Okay, no, the next uh, principle is no office, no government agency has a right to exist without the consent of the governed. A government agency does not have the power to exist without the people giving that power. Now, what's sad and ever so true is that the people have given the government far too much power and control over their personal lives because of fear or because they think it's a great idea. And we've really seen that in the last two years where people have of their own free will of choice surrendered their own liberties, their own rights to a government entity because of fear. And they were all too happy to take other people's rights because of their fear. Because it's one thing if you want to give up your rights, that is one thing. I wouldn't recommend it, of course, but I don't suggest it. I hope you don't, but it's your right, right? But you don't have a right to give up my rights. You don't have a right to surrender my rights to the government. You have a right to surrender yours. But please don't think you can surrender mine because I'm not giving mine up. <laughs> I'm keeping mine. So, and the last one is if the government... Um, by neglect or even malfeasance, it fails to protect those rights, or even worse, if the government violates my rights, not only is it the right of the people, but it is the duty of the people to take back their government and to either restore their rights or to restore their government, or to create a new government, new guards, on which a new government can protect those rights. Now, of course, the Declaration also says 
it is not wise for us to throw out the old, the, you know, for small and light and transient reasons. We don't want to get new governments for light or transient reasons. But if it is, it is important that we not only, we, we, we not only, um, have the right to to stand up for ourselves we have a duty to do it and i think that's really important to to notice and remember we have a duty we are all have a covenant with god to protect and restore our liberties because we have been given them by god and by so many who have sacrificed so much and and the declaration is very clear about that one of my favorite lines in the declaration is all experience has shown that while men, evils will, I have this, I know it so well, and then when I go to say it, my brain freezes. Um, All experience has shown that men are accustomed to, that evils will, that men will suffer evils while evils are sufferable than they are to right themselves by abolishing the things to which they have come grown accustomed. And I just think that speaks so well of our human nature. We will suffer evils as long as evils are sufferable. We just kind of, oh, let's just go along with it. We want to go along. We'll just suffer through, and we won't write them until they become unsufferable. But the longer we let it go, the harder it is, and the longer it takes and the more blood it takes, the the much more time. It is much better for us to stand up sooner rather than later and restore our liberties. And so I invite everyone to, to again, stand, and we need to do something. Um, so at the very beginning of the Declaration, Thomas Jefferson talks about the laws of nature and nature's God. And, you know, you can just read that over and just read it right and just gloss right over it, but I really, really felt like that was one of the most important parts of the Declaration. So I've really spent some time studying that and really pondering and trying to to learn what did he mean by that? What does he mean by the laws of nature and of nature's God? Now, the laws of nature, again, somewhat self-evident. That's everything in the universe is governed by the laws of nature. Every plant, every animal, all the matter Every light is all governed by the laws of nature. All of the, all of these things obey the laws of nature. By they, they have to. They just they obey the laws of nature. You, like I said, gravity obeys the law of nature. It doesn't kind of go. Oh, um, not it's just not working today. To, you know, the day's not the speed of light works all the time, and the universe was set set up with such laws of order. And these laws of nature, you you see the laws and ordinance of heaven and of earth, they're so orderly. And they're how God governs the universe. And how could an, a universe with such order and such discipline and such perfectness in reproduction and the way things work and, and the synergy and how the laws of nature work with each other so perfectly, how could that happen arbitrarily? How could that happen by just a big bang? How could it happen by accident? Just the fact, the way the laws of nature work testifies in itself of the creator. 
um, it just the idea of the Big Bang could it just defies reason. It it just doesn't it just de- defies any kind of deep thought being happening. And then we have so that's the laws of nature that Thomas Jefferson referred to. And then nature's God. Those are the laws of God, like his commandments, the things that he tells us to do in order to literally be happy and to be free. If you think about the laws of God are all designed to give us freedom and liberty. They free us from the chains and the bonds of our own human frailties. They free us from the bonds of of our human nature and our, our weak side. And they all give us, when we obey the laws of God, we have so much more liberty and more freedom and definitely more happiness. And we can see that we, whenever we violate those laws of God, we end up in bondage. If You know, God says, don't get addicted to anything. Just keep yourself. And you, the minute you can always choose, when you choose not to get addicted, you can still choose. You're still free to choose. But the minute you choose an addiction, you've given up your freedom, and now you're in bondage. And that is the case with all of God's laws. God's laws are really there to help us be more free. As a lover of freedom, I love that. I love my liberty. I love freedom. And I love that God has created such a great way for us to to do that. And then where our human nature tempts us to not always be so wise. So um, that's what I have to say today about our laws of nature and our Declaration of Independence. And we have a little bit of time left. And so I wanted to talk about some things that are coming up and some different opportunities opportunities that you have to get involved and to help you be aware of some things that are happening and a new year, new energy, a new time to to step up to the plate and to kind of wake up and, and think, what can I do? How can I serve my community? And really, the difference is going to be made right here locally. The more at home, the more local, the bigger difference that you can make. So I wanted to tell you about a few different events that are coming up. One of them is January 8th. It's the Eagle Forum, Utah State Eagle Forum Convention that is coming up January 8th. It is going to be at the Larry H. Miller campus that is on about 97 South and 300 West, just west of the I-15 freeway. And again, that's January 8th. It starts at 8.30 in the morning. And it ha- there are so many great spaces speakers. It's really going to be wonderful. We have all four of our Utah men will all be there speaking, and we also have our Senator Mike Lee that will be speaking. It's a great chance to hear what they have to say and hear them defend themselves and their actions. You'll be able to ask some questions, and you'll be able to hear what they're doing and why they're doing it and get um, an idea of what's happening on a national scene and what Utah is doing on that national scene. There have many other great speakers. C.L. Bryant, if you don't know who he is, it's time to come and hear him speak. I want to say he lives in Florida, but I'm pretty sure I'm right about that. <laughs> I'm really sure, but I hate to say when I, I'm I'm absolutely sure that he's from Florida. So he's coming out from Florida. He is a black man who speaks on critical race theory. He's very principled. He really does understand the Constitution. He's a very dynamic speaker, but and also a very dynamic person. 
and he he really does a great job of expressing the laws of nature and nature's God. And there are so many other great speakers, and I I know you will love it. And if you take a friend, it's forty five dollars. And if you take a friend, if you go to register together, it can be your friend, your spouse, it doesn't matter, a stranger. You get two people register together. There's a discount, so that's a great way to do it. So. Yeah, get together with a friend and then register together and you'll get a discount. And it does include lunch and it is a great, it's a great comp convention and I really feel confident that you will enjoy it. The other thing is it's, it's not just a raw, raw rally where you get all motivated and excited and it, it's also, it does that, but you also get to, you get to meet with other people, which is always really good is to find who your, your like-minded tribe is. But also, it's really, really great at helping you get educated on the bills that are coming up. Our session starts the end of January. It runs for 45 days. This is the time to get involved and get educated. What are the bills coming up? What are the issues coming up? And when you understand the laws of nature and nature's God, you don't have to know about every single issue. You know where to stand based on the laws of nature and nature's God. And that really helps people make wise decisions rather than emotional decisions. We can see what's happening nowadays. There are people making decisions on emotion, not on principles, not on the foundations of nature. So I invite everyone to go to that. And then we also have Freedom's Light Foundation is sponsoring their Freedom's Light Constitution Bowl. And that is going to be in April. And it's April 28th. And you can go to freedomslightevent at gmail.com and you can inquire of, for information. And basically what it is, we're going to have an elementary bowl, we have a junior high bowl, and we have a high school bowl. So junior high kids will compete against other junior high kids. And high school against high school, elementary, we usually have mostly fifth and sixth graders, but you can have fourth graders or younger, but mostly fourth, fifth, and sixth graders compete against other kids in that same age group and usually it's schools but it doesn't have to be you could just get a team together from your neighborhood or your um you know it could be your school or your co-op or your family and you, it doesn't matter we're about freedom so we let you make the we let you choose your teams however you want to we need a name you can have anywhere from four to six children um in a on a team and so you can get together and create a team. We give you a curriculum to study so you know exactly what to study. For the junior high and high school, the prize is $500 cash for first place, $250 second, $100 for third place. And we really make it so much fun. It's just fun to compete and fun to do. And fun, try to make it fun to learn about these principles. And again, it's a great thing to do. You can do it as a family. And we invite everyone. So, again, you go to Freedoms, with an S, FreedomsLightEvent at gmail.com to get all the information about that. We would love to share that with you. I also invite you to go to SecureVoteUtah.org, SecureVoteUtah.org, to learn about what we can do to secure our votes here in Utah, to secure our elections. Because we... Our election system is the most sacred thing we have. We can't have a country. We can't have any freedom without knowing that our elections are real and secure. And if they, it has to count. We have to be in charge. If, if we vote for somebody in principle, we can always recover from that if we have 
secure elections. So I invite everyone to go to that. So um, there's lots more things to talk about, but we're running out of time. I want to, again, invite you to set some goals and set some New Year's resolutions that are attainable and achievable that will really not only help you be a better person, but help our state and our nation to be a better nation. And I just say, Happy New Year, and I love you, and remember that you are the guardians of our liberty. Thank you. The following is not an actor, but a real-life story from Trinity Debt Management. I was finishing undergrad and got credit cards because I couldn't work full-time. So that started the credit card journey for me. If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-990-6976. And then when I got married, we combined our credit card debt, and it became impossible to pay off on our own. At that point, I was like, I don't know where to turn. And then I found... Trinity. Trinity will consolidate your accounts into one easy-to-manage monthly payment, reduce your interest, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands. I initially was scared to call, and immediately I felt relief. I mean, in a matter of three years, we've already paid down $20,000 in credit card debt, which is huge. Call Trinity at 1-800-990-6976. That's 1-800-990-6976.